Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because there's something about doing a four night, three day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, Mm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure, like, what does that look like and how do I get there, right? Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle that we know this moment in history is sort of prophesized to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California, the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabennett.com backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. This week's episode is sponsored by Astrology Hub. 
So I recently booked a reading on Astrologer Connect, and I was so impressed by my astrologer's ability to take super complex ideas and make them easy to digest for someone like me who is so annoyingly left-brained. I was surprised actually to get deeper insight into some relationship stuff I've been working with and also some career insight for next year. And all of this from a one-hour astrology reading. Yeah, my reading was a little bit too on point. I think I even jokingly asked her if she'd been talking to my therapist, but she definitely brought up some important growing edges that I know I need to step into over the next couple of years. Astrology Hub is a one-stop shop for astrology fans around the world to find more connection, purpose, and magic in the stars. Their community was born out of a desire to provide astrology followers of all levels with high-quality, accessible, and practical guidance and teachings. And today, their team of heart-based astrologers reaches hundreds of thousands of people every week through their podcasts, online courses, workshops, forecasts, and one-of-a-kind astrology reading platform, Astrologer Connect. So what makes their reading platform unique is that their astrologers are highly vetted, reputable, and span various specialties. They offer both scheduled and on-demand sessions. They offer a short matchmaking quiz to find the perfect astrologer for you. And we both actually did the quiz, and it was super fun to see who we got matched with. They also offer the capability to search for an astrologer by language and specialty, so career, love, finance, health, and more. And their platform is backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you have questions that you want some astrological guidance on, check out Astrologer Connect at astrologyhub.com backslash astrologerconnect and easily book a reading for the future or connect instantly with your matched astrologer. Plus, from now until December 25th, you can use code THERAPY15 for 15% off an astrology reading. Such a fun holiday gift idea. Gift one to yourself or to your friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So today we are talking to Spencer. And Spencer, you wrote in, it sounds like you just want to kind of dive into this work a little bit deeper, but you talked about how you went on your kind of codependency journey started about eight or nine months ago after a breakup um, and, and really doing the work, wanting to feel into what this work looks like in action, right? Um, but the part that I found the most interesting uh, based on what you wrote in was this idea that you find that in the beginning of a relationship, you're able to kind of hold strong to this like sense of self and who I am. But the further and deeper you get into the relationship is actually when you start to struggle more. Yeah, is that true? Yeah. And it's interesting because I was just on a walk yesterday thinking about this and was thinking like, I almost feel though that like part of my feeling of feeling good and feeling um, on and like the beginning part of a relationship is also because it's in those initial dates and that first part of dating when I'm... Uh, trying to be really creative with dates and being very intentional and doing things that I think in part are trying to um, get self-worth and value because I've you know spent so much of my life not feeling self-worth and trying to get self-worth out of other people because I didn't get that when I was young. And so it, I'm, I'm so yes, to an extent, but like, to, um, but also I, I feel like, I, I'm starting to wonder if some of that feeling of being good at the beginning of the relationship is also because I'm just trying to do all these things that are, again, kind of trying to get self-worth from that person. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I love the awareness, even in you articulating that there's some sort of a connection that I'm recognizing with what's happening at the beginning and my self-worth. And I'm curious to hear more about what it looks like when it transitions and how you know, like, what do you think is the distinction that starts to happen over time where um, that energy of my self-worth being there or feeling good to me isn't there as much anymore? Yeah, that's a great question. And for me, it was something that I, that my last girlfriend um, reflected back to me and something that I didn't realize. And then as I kind of started doing kind of a, a real deep dive, I started to realize that there was, yeah, what feels like an, an energy shift where it, it's like at the, the beginning of a relationship that I, I'm, you know, being very intentional and creative and trying to kind of create this like really fun environment and relationship. And then at some point it transitions to where it's like, I'm trying to uh, keep a Jenga tower from falling where it's like, now that I feel like I've gotten this, like I'm now that I feel accepted from this person, now I'm just like trying to keep this person from like not leaving me. And so I'm just trying to keep the Jenga tower from, from falling, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. It's like you come in with these super, you set these like super high expectations, right? I mean, it's sweet, but it's, you're setting yourself up with these super high expectations and then you're trying to keep it up once the relationship gets in. And I wonder how much of that is the fear of actually just letting this person see who you really are, like see you in your human messiness, see you when you're not on your A game, planning the best of the best dates, see you when you're just like mm -hmm. flopping around laying on the couch, seeing you, you know, just this idea of being a real human, it sounds like you're really guarded and protecting against. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And in this last relationship, we had a, uh, a break for a couple months and um, during that time, we were both doing some of our own work. And I remember we had come together, um, to talk through some things. And there was this moment in that time together where I realized just what you said, where I was like, my entire life, I've thought and felt like I was being transparent and vulnerable and being communicative. But in reality, I've never really allowed myself to really be seen. And in that moment, I shared some things that I'd never shared before. And it was just like the my heart, I feel like just burst open because I was able to share things about past addiction with porn and with... Um, abuse from childhood and um just a lot of things that i really never told anyone but my therapist and and that was the first time that i had really ever done that mm. and it was honestly like one of the most powerful moments of my entire life because that was the first time that i allowed myself to be completely seen and accepted and it wasn't i wasn't trying to get worth out of someone else or something that I was doing, it was just feeling this kind of sense of connection to myself and allowing someone else to kind of see me as myself. Hmm. And then what happened between the two of you when you did that, Spencer? Uh, 
it was just like a really beautiful moment of her just seeing me and we had a really beautiful healing relationship and connection as a whole and I for my whole life I felt like I operated as if I was going to be abandoned because I felt so much of that in childhood mm. and then it was like the first time when I felt like completely seen from someone and completely held by someone um and I was just like, oh, like, this is how it's supposed to be. And this is how human relationships and love should operate. Um, and it, I think it, in part, we ended up getting back together for a little bit. And I think that conversation, that change is the, re the reason for that. And we had a, you know, a few beautiful months together after that, before separating for good. But it was just... It honestly, like it changed my life in a lot of ways because it was the first time that I was able to one, let myself be seen and then two, let someone else kind of give like love and connection as it's meant to be and there not to be any kind of like expectation or anything tied to it. So powerful. I think what's really blowing me about, away about this conversation is I'm really grateful to you as a man for speaking to something that mm. I don't feel like we always hear voiced, which is the experience of like how we outsource our self-worth is a little bit different from my perspective um, in terms of how we're socialized as men and women. I think for women, a lot of times it's being chosen, you know, like being seen in the beginning and this person sees me and that makes me feel a sense of self-worth. And what you're describing is I'm giving something that is making me feel a sense of self-worth and mm -hmm. like an empowered sense of self. And then that shifts over time. Right. And what I think is fascinating is that on either side of the coin, I think what we start to do with one another based on the fears and the stories that we're telling ourselves starts to shift the dynamic between us and we start to do something different. But what you're saying is so powerful to me, Spencer, because as you're describing this moment with your ex, what really stuck out was until I took the chance to stay with myself and mm -hmm. say the things that I'd been telling myself for a lifetime would be too much or too big for anyone to tolerate or love me through or see me and stay with me, even as I expose that truth until I said, I got to like stay with me with myself through it and say it. Um, I'm always sort of tap dancing, operating under the illusion that whoever I'm presenting to you isn't really enough because mm -hmm. I can't show you the full spectrum of me. Right. So it's, it's sort of a double bind. We have to like have enough, like, willingness to stay with ourselves that chips fall where they may. I got to say the thing. I got to be with me. And then the person and how they meet that moment is really the crucial information that we need to have in that dance of intimacy to decide if this person has the capacity to be what we need in a partner, you know? Yeah. I, I, I love that. And when we had that conversation where I felt like I could be completely vulnerable, it was like this, I, it was around the same time when I started to realize the dynamic of our, my inner child, wounded mm -hmm. child. 
and started to do this work of reparenting. And it's like, I felt like my inner child that wanted to be like, oh, fuck no. Like we're not being vulnerable and honest right now. That is not how we roll. And I was like, yo, I've got this. The work, what's the worst that could happen? Like we're, we're not together at this point anyway. And, and so it was just like a really powerful moment from like my mature wise self to like roll up and be like, yo, I've, I've got you. We've got this. Well, and what a, what a lesson to, I think for us as we go out into, okay, I'm not in this partnership anymore. And now I'm out there in the kind of world, uh, potentially having somebody new come into my life, which is how long it took. Like you, 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 how do I explain this? Like you crossed this huge threshold and you did this thing and you said, no, we're going to be authentic. We're going to be vulnerable. Uh, and I'm going to do it. And yet it took however long that it took, right? And through all of the years and all of the work that you did. And now you get to say, and this is kind of what Danae was saying, like, I get to use showing up as myself and being honest and vulnerable as a way to discern whether or not this is actually somebody that I want to partner with. So rather than establishing a relationship, doing all the Jenga tower building, running around, you know, and then saying the thing and seeing if the tower can withhold it, you know, and no one's saying we go out on the first date and we talk about our deepest, darkest traumas, but we start to say, you know, I'm going to be more authentic and be who I am earlier on in a relationship as a way to discern whether or not this is something that I want to keep building, you know, whether or not this is somebody that I do want to partner with or not. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, what I'm starting to, to learn. And this is something that I was thinking about yesterday as processing through some of this was, yeah, because I feel like I, a first date for me was realizing or in very unconsciously saying to myself, is this person safe? Like, is can I like go to the, the links to like win them over? Um, in quotes. And, and so like the first date has often been like that wanting acceptance and like feeling safe for this person. And then, okay, if I feel that, then I can start doing these things. to like win them over. Um, and so I think, you know, what I'm starting to realize and what I feel like you're saying is that like, you know, we don't have to do that in this connection to ourselves because like we've, we've, we're already enough as is. And so there's nothing that we'll ever do or won't do that'll ever, ever change that. And so showing up, whether it's the first date or whether I've been together with the person my entire life uh, for years, you know, to be able to say like, nothing I do changes my connection to myself, my enoughness. Yeah. I love that. And I think something you said that I've heard you say a couple of times is something around now that I'm accepted, getting this person to accept me. And, you know, what I'm obsessed with in relationships at this point and where I think we're evolving is this thing of like, the work is not to be in this space where we can settle into like, now I'm accepted and we're good. Ha, <sighs> right. Mm. Because what I find that ends up doing and a, a little bit, I think this is what you're speaking to becomes the shift later on is it's like, well, this is my person now. We're accepted. I'm accepted by them. So there's a little bit of like a complacency or a like entitlement that tends to come with that. I find, whereas I, 
I read something that Xavier Dagba um, wrote earlier today where he said, intimacy is the space of being in consistent curiosity about something. And I think that we lose intimacy once we feel like this person is my person in relationships yeah. a lot of times. And so the work becomes, you said, once we broke up, I started showing her myself because it was like, what do I have to lose? I've already lost the attachment, right? And it's like, what if we kept that mindset all the time of like, this yep. person actually doesn't belong to me. It's my work to always be in present-centered curiosity around who this person is. And in that, my job is to stay with myself. And the intimacy comes from into me see based on like each of us being present enough to be curious and see one another. But there's never this like, I mean, you know, acceptance is kind of an interesting word because we don't want to be around people where we don't feel accepted. But, you know, in terms of like intimate romantic relationships, yeah. I think what I hear in the word acceptance in the context you're using it is a little bit like, I can exhale now. This is my person. We're good. Where I kind of think like, we should always be in the work of like, how do we keep a sense of aliveness of like, no, each of us belong to ourselves and we're present and curious about the other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that harkens back to one of your original questions was like, how did I notice when there was kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, a withdrawal or a kind of not, you know, being who I was you know, when first trying to date this person and, and yeah, I think that, um, and that was something my last relationship, what she kind of reflected back was there being this kind of felt energy shift where, and that's what I'm starting to kind of like notice. And I thought what you just said rang so true was there was like this, at some point there's like a complacency that happens and it's almost like, okay, now I don't have to like be going as hard or like be, you know, as intentional or creative. And, um, and so I think that in part is what I'm most scared of in relationship is getting into a relationship and then that happening again, where there's this uh, loss of, um, I start kind of almost like losing myself is the first thing that kind of comes to mind where I feel like I start like withdrawing and complacent and I'm not that kind of connected version of myself. What does that look like withdrawing? I mean, are you able to articulate it or was she able to articulate it to you? Uh, I think it's uh, less confident. Hmm. Um, uh, less, I, I you know, I feel like I, um, you know, when I'm kind of in my kind of like mature and wise self, I have a good kind of strong energy and like that, that strength doesn't come across as much. So lack of strength, confidence, um, I'm a little apprehensive, I'm apprehensive. Mm. Um, and I think it's kind of like a, a question, like a, it's almost like I'm like questioning myself. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, when you're in the state of like being creative and attempting to quote unquote, win this person over, you're in more of that, like I'm strong and I'm confident and I'm charismatic. And then once we've air quotes, won this person over, we can exhale and we're in this relationship. I start to lose my footing in that. And I don't show up as confident in myself. And again, like going back to kind of the theme of what we've been talking about, 
it feels so much like once I'm able to exhale, once I'm not kind of running myself around in circles, trying to do the dance and win this person over, uh, and I, I don't have that as a distraction point, and then it's just this person and me sitting across the table from each other, eye to eye, the vulnerability that is now required is really freaking scary, right? Because, you know, there are layers and stages to relationships, right? I mean, part of what I said earlier is maybe we we lessen the time that we're being vulnerable so that we can kind of use that as a place of discernment. But also, again, like I said, we're not going to go into a first date and just tell everybody our deepest, darkest traumas or our phases. And so that first phase for you is a place where you feel the most confident. And then when you get into that kind of maybe second stage of like, now we deepen, now we get vulnerable. Now we start to show kind of, um, you know, we peel back layers of that onion. That's when we start to waver and we start to question ourselves and we start to have those old beliefs that come up that say, if she sees these parts of me, will she leave? Um, you know, am I enough for this person? Um, you know, am I safe enough to, to be vulnerable here? And so it's that transition point that it sounds like for you is, is where that, that struggle starts to show itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, um, I've, and, and I was never part of it too, that I'll mention too, is that I, for my entire life was unable to feel, let alone express my needs. My therapist says my life's work is to acknowledge and express my needs. And and so I think part of this work of healing codependency and doing this work that I've been doing, I've, you know, just for the first time really ever started going to yoga in recent months, uh, in the past year I've developed a breath work practice and other tools because for my entire life, and I think this is a byproduct of patriarchy, you know, men are not, uh, meant are not supposed to feel or supposed to feel very limited emotions like anger. And so I spent my life kind of suppressing that. And so now, you know, as you're kind of talking about this, I think that's part of my work is being able to like feel in those, when it's in that more committed part of the relationship and when I want to withdraw, my work is to like feel and kind of like be able to acknowledge what I'm feeling and be able to express that from a place of like connection to myself and enoughness rather than just kind of disassociate, which I feel like has historically been my, my MO. Mm. I love that. I was so struck when you were talking in a little bit on what you said, Vanessa, around like in the beginning when it felt like I was confident. And this is something, again, that I think both men and women do our own versions of. The confidence is almost like a performative bravado of mm -hmm. like, see, this is how I do being on a date. This is how I like, wow, the woman, whatever. And I think women do their own version of this, which is a little bit of the like pretty object and like, here I am, pick me this object, mm -hmm. right? Whereas I think what you're saying about having needs is so important. And a lot of what that starts to look like, I find is that I integrate what I would find in a woman um, in this case for myself. So I start to really like acknowledge my own need for nurturance, my own like 
what I'm feeling is valid. Like all of those things that like that historic mother would have given me, I start to give those things to myself. Right. So I need less of that from a woman. And then when I'm in relationship with a woman, I'm actually able to be present with the person in front of me and discern not based on like my longing to like keep or get or maintain an attachment. It's like, is this person and the way that they actually show up a good fit for the way that I nurture myself? Because ultimately the goal I feel like is for us to start to get to a space where we love ourselves well. And then we find someone who's sort of vibrational match for that level of love, right? Like, and if someone is just like completely oblivious to my needs and all about like herself, like what's happening for her. Well, I know myself well enough and I nurture myself well enough that that's not actually something I'm interested in anymore because I know for sure that I can give that to me. So I don't need to outsource it from someone, but it's really beautiful and lovely when a woman meets me in that same energetic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's on point because I'm, I'm thinking and realizing about how I approach relationships in the past. And I was, I was married in my mid twenties briefly and how I saw marriage and relationship as that person and that relationship giving to me what I didn't receive in childhood and as an adolescent mm -hmm. and seeing those things needed to be given to me by something outside of myself. And now finally realizing that there's nothing, no one, I spent my, I spent my life, you know, so much of my adult life traveling and, uh, and looking for connection and community and love and uh, fullness from out things outside of myself. And I've, you know, finally, you know, realized that what I look for externally, I can only give to myself. And to your point that like, it's really that self-love and that connection to ourselves. And then hopefully being in a relationship where the person I'm in a relationship with is complimenting, complimenting that. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I also want to, cause I, I looked this up earlier when we were talking, um, you know, based on what you were saying about kind of living as a man under the patriarchy, right? And how we kind of program our men and our boys to to cut themselves off from their emotional selves. You know, Bell Hooks talks, I actually just put this quote, or I'm like using this quote in the book that I'm writing, where she talks about specifically her experience when she was young um, with her husband and going to couples therapy. And she says, when I was in my 20s, I would go to couples therapy and my partner of more than 10 years would explain how I asked him to talk about his feelings. And when he did, I would freak out. He was right. It was hard for me to face that I did not want to hear about his feelings when they were painful or negative, that I did not want my image of the strong man truly challenged by learning of his weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Here I was an enlightened feminist woman who did not want to hear my man speak his pain because it revealed his emotional vulnerability. And I just, I felt called to read that because it <clears throat> reminded me a little bit of this, this ex-partner of yours and how she was able to hold that and and this is some of the wounding, some of the wounding that women have under the patriarchy, right? Which is, um, I say that I want this kind of partner. I say that I want somebody who can express his needs and communicate his emotions. And and then when he does, am I able 
to hold that, you know, and all of the um, programming I've been given around what men are and what they provide and what they don't do and what they do do. Um, and so I, I kind of want to say like, good on your, your ex-partner for holding that. Um, but I, I just felt called to share that because I think that's an important point of, of sadness and of injury that both both sides of this coin actually experienced through patriarchy. Um, yeah, I wanted to offer that. Yeah. As you say that, V, I just want to name something because what you're speaking to comes up a lot with couples. And I think mm -hmm. it's an important distinction that I think can be challenging for mm -hmm. people to sort of differentiate. A partner holds space for and is mm -hmm. able to be present with your emotions. A mother fixes. And mm -hmm. a lot of what our society has conditioned us to believe is that our partner should make it go away, mm -hmm. should fix it, should make it better. And that's on both sides. A lot of times, yeah. like it will like for us as women be like, I feel now I have to like fix this or pull you to where I feel like you need to be. And all of these things would make us feel like we're in a really maternal role with the man in mm -hmm. our lives. And so it's a both and right. Like, yeah. yes, we need to look at our patriarchal wounding and the ways that we shame men out of their vulnerability as their partners. And also, I think there's a differentiation between how we meet one another in the space of our inner adult versus our wounded inner children looking to be parented by one another. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, that the, uh, the feminine and the masculine was always such a, it was, I feel like I was never able to like really grasp like this kind of like whole human. And so I feel like I spent my life trying to suppress these different things that our patriarchal society says that I can and can't feel and what is right to feel as a man and what's not to right to feel and what is like feminine that you shouldn't feel. And so it's really this like whole human experience. And until we can, I can like allow that whole few, that whole full humanity and allow myself to experience that from someone else, I'm going to be disconnected from myself, if that makes sense. And so mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, my work has been really allowing and like stepping both into like that feminine energy and those feminine qualities that are bettering myself and bettering the world but also that masculine side and those masculine traits that I often suppress or didn't allow myself to feel and being in a relationship with someone who can help bring that out and can help kind of support that. Because I think that again, it, it kind of reaches to like our full, our fullness because I spent my life suppressing all of these emotions and feelings because of culture and because of patriarchy. And so now it's kind of like re, um, I think, um, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for, but uh, kind of recreating these kind of connections that were, that were cut off from me. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, we appreciate you again to Danae's point. It's, it's also, um, it's nice to have a man's voice kind of speaking these truths, uh, and bringing this to the table. And we appreciate that. And we appreciate you and, um, make sure you keep us posted. Yeah. I'd be curious to know when the, the dating, how the dating journey goes. <laughs> um, and maybe we'll have you on again at another point to kind of keep us in the loop. 
Great. I would love that. I appreciate y'all so much and the community that y'all have created and resources you're creating. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.